Hello, I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter, enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you, to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my word, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at this at his delay in the temple. When he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me, to take away my reproach among people. Ah, good morning. Um, so I am, uh, in case you came in late, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. And I have, I, I'm kind of in, in a unique bind that isn't unique. It's unique, uh, compared to all of you guys, but not unique among pastors. And that is that, uh, so I wasn't supposed to preach last week, actually. I wasn't supposed to preach last week, but Cameron's family, uh, his kids tested positive for COVID because uh, there was an outbreak at their daycare. And so Cameron said, yeah, probably a good idea if I don't come just because I'm constantly being exposed. 
And then um, I, I was down in Southern Oregon for Thanksgiving. I was at my parents' house and they live where there's no cell service, there's no internet, there's no connection to the outside world. And so I, I, found, uh, I found out when I came into town, I got this text from Kevin saying, hey, I, I tested positive for COVID now. And that was, that was on Friday and I was five hours south with my two kids and my family. So we spent uh, the rest of the day with the family and then all of yesterday driving up with our kids. Cause you know, when you have little kids, it's not just, it's not a, a four and a half, five hour drive. Um, so we got in late last night. Uh, well, not late last night, but it's a late night because the kids haven't gotten attention all day. They've been in the car, they're really rowdy. And so just getting them to bedtime is a chore and unpacking everything. So I'm in this, I was in this dilemma of like, okay, should I try and cram to make, uh, to make a sermon to keep, the, to keep the show going? And I decided rather than try and, um, ra- rather than try and fail to make it appear like nothing's going on, I- I'd rather just say, hey, Lord, you're the Lord and you're the leader of this church. And if you want to mix things up, so that we don't have, you know, a 35-minute sermon, you know, and, and do things exactly how it always is. You can be my guest. You are the Lord. So whether you're, it's, it's comforting to know that whether the pastor prepares weeks in advance or 20 minutes in advance, it's always the Holy Spirit that's speaking. And so God is still at work, and He's going to be doing things here. But uh, all that just to say, this this might not be the smoothest sea you've ever sailed on. (laughs) So here's what I want to do. I I, want to go through kind of the initial thoughts that I had um, for this passage, because that's really all you can have is initial thoughts, uh, given the time frame. And hopefully that's something encouraging. And then with the rest of the time, because I highly doubt this is going to take 40 minutes, the rest of the time I thought it would be great for us to Get into groups with the people you're sitting next to and pray. I, I made a slide with some prayer points that we could all pray for. Uh, as we are a community, we are a family. We are embedded in a much broader community, and there are things going on. And God has something to say and something to do about those things, and he tells us, hey, ask, ask. So I kind of want to stop preaching right now and just start praying, but... This is, that's less Christmassy, you know? We're in the Christmas season, we gotta have something. So, Luke, we didn't just read it just so that you could hear it and then move on. So, Luke chapter one. Uh, I wanna open this, Here, here's my initial thought about this passage. What's something that you're waiting for, hoping for? What's something that you have waited for in the past? You know, when I was, in a, when I was younger, when I was in my teens, turning 18, graduating. That was like, that was the thing I was waiting for. And it was inevitable, unless I was gonna get hit by a truck or something. It was inevitable that I would eventually be free to impose myself upon the world is probably a better way of saying it. Regardless of my maturity level, I was gonna go out and take on the world and change what I thought needed to be changed and whatnot. But once you get beyond your youth, sorry, this thing is popping. Once you get beyond your youth, you still have hopes, you still have things you wait for, but they're less inevitable. They're not like reaching a milestone in age, you know? Like, no matter what you do, between 14 and 18, in four years, you're going to be 18. 
But that isn't the case when your dream is, I want to be married. Your decisions affect whether or not that's going to happen. Or whether or not you're going to end up in a job that you really enjoy. Whether or not you'll have kids. Whether or not your kids will like you or you will like them. You know? There are a lot of things that we wait for, that we hope for in life. And something happens though when you wait and whatever it is you're waiting for does not happen. The older you are, probably the more you're going to connect to this, but there comes a point when you say, I thought I would be married by now. I thought I would have kids by now. I thought I would have that job by now. And you, you come to this point where you, you realize that if I keep on hoping and dreaming and fighting for this and wishing for it, it's just going to keep hurting more. And so what you do is we, we kind of do one of two things. Either you harden yourself and say, mm-mm, too painful, not going there, I'm just going to give up. Or you take one of two paths that's still hopeful. One is you go, I'm taking things into my own hands and I'm going to make this happen right now. And sometimes that turns out okay, sometimes it doesn't. And the other thing I think that's the road that's the least traveled is the one where we say, I'm going to keep waiting and I'm going to keep hoping. Where you say, there's this fog in front of me, this black fog, and I don't know what's beyond that. It's dangerous for me to keep hoping, but I'm going to trust God and do it anyway. You see, when you reach that point, it's like in the Lord of the Rings, if you guys have seen that, the first one. Sam and Frodo are taking the ring out of the Shire to Rivendale. And they're going along and there's this one point where Sam just stops. And Frodo turns around and goes, oh, what's going on, Sam? What's... And he says, if I take one more step, I will be further from home than I've ever been in my life. That's where you're at. You're, you're about to enter a new land, a new country you've never been. And what you're actually doing is you're actually starting to step into the exercise and growth of faith. Because you're not really exercising it until you're already saying, until you're saying it's too late. You know, and up until that point, you were just agreeing with God. You're like, okay, I'll go along. I'll go along. But whenever you say, I'm not going along anymore, but then you go along anyway, now, now you're, starting to, you're starting to stretch and make room for God to do something in your heart. So, we all have this problem that we're going to end up in if we haven't already. And we don't know exactly how we're going to respond to it. But it's comforting to know that this isn't new. This isn't like something that suddenly happened in the 20th and 21st century. This has been around a long time. And this passage largely is about a couple who had this kind of thing. It's a couple who were barren. Elizabeth and Zechariah. And in their culture, to not have children was seen to be a curse. God has cursed you, and that's why you don't have children. And that's why Luke mentions that they were righteous and upright. He doesn't mean they're sinless, they never did anything wrong. What he really means is that they didn't do something to make it impossible for them to have children. It wasn't God's curse was upon them because they were disobedient or something like that. They were at that point. They're advanced in years, beyond hope of having children. 
And there are some, I know in our congregation even, many people who long to have children and you can't have them, at least not the natural way, and you don't necessarily know why. And it's very painful. And it may be hard to keep hoping. Well, for this couple, they had their individual hopes. And it might remind you, you should have light bulbs flickering off if you know, if you know your Bible very well. They are being cast in the same light as Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament. They were also a, an elderly couple without children. God seems to have a pattern when he's going to do something really big. He has this pattern of, of sort of putting out a little miracle, kind of like shooting a flare into the sky, letting you know something, you know, rescue is coming. And this uh, giving, uh, having, having a woman who's barren give birth is a pattern. It's Abraham and Sarah. That's how they were to know that God's other promises would be true. God's promise that in, in Abraham's children, all the nations would be blessed. The promise that he would have children that numbered beyond the stars of the sky. All these various promises, they would be fulfilled because of this miracle that happened. Same thing happens in the book of Samuel. There's a couple there, Elkanah and Hannah. Hannah is barren, and she goes into the temple, and she prays, God, if you give me a child, I will dedicate him to you. And he became the first prophet, the prophet Samuel. And that was the lead up for a king, a king to appear. And that king was David. And that's really what the Old Testament trajectory was going towards, was in the, in the Torah you saw that law was not going to get, people are not going to just follow the law and everything's going to be good, you need something else. And then after that you have the period of the judges, which is largely there to show you that judges aren't going to fix it. What you need is a king. The end of the book of Judges, the author repeats over and over again, there was no king. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. So now in Samuel, the king is going to appear. And before he does, there's the birth of a miracle baby, you might say. So there's a, there's a pattern in scripture of this happening. So this couple are praying for a child. They want to have a child and they've been waiting and it's been too long. And Zechariah says he's a priest. And one of the things that the priests do is, uh, is they have to serve, but there's so many of them. It isn't like children's ministry here. You know, in, in children's ministry, you're, uh, you have the opportunity to do it at least once a month. So, and you could do it less frequently if you wanted to volunteer too. Just, just saying, just a plug. Uh, shameless, no shame at all. I'm doing it for you, Darren. I hope you can hear me. Uh, uh, but there they had almost too many priests. So your opportunity to do what he did happens maybe once in your lifetime. Sometimes it didn't happen at all in your lifetime. If you lived long enough, it might happen twice. But this is a very, very, very special occasion for Zechariah. So he goes in, he goes into the temple and he's burning incense. And what happens is there's the, the, the outer court and then there's the holy place. And that's where he's going into and what happens is when he goes in there, he goes in alone. Nobody else goes with him. So he's there alone. He's in this, he's in this quiet room with candles. It's, it's utterly silent. It's dark. And he goes, he's praying. He probably has like a, some sort of incense thing that he's shaking. 
and all of a sudden he turns, oh, there's somebody there. You know, I can imagine, you know, if he's older, he probably is about to have a heart attack. You know, it says he was, what does it say? Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. Well, rightly so. You know, if you, what, have you ever been somewhere where you think you're all alone and then, oh, somebody right there? I used to have a life-size cardboard cutout of Carmen. Remember the Christian entertainer, Carmen? So I used to have this life-size cardboard cutout of Carmen uh, that I had in my apartment, and I would put it right next to the door. So when people walked in, there's somebody just staring at them. Um, and then it freaked me out when I would get up in the middle of the night because I thought there was somebody in, in my apartment. Anyway, so there's someone there. Ah! Freaks out. And what the angel tells him is, hey, don't be afraid. They always have to say this. Don't be afraid. So if you have an angel talk to you, uh, probably they're going to say, don't be afraid because you're going to freak out. It's a real angel. Um, just, just a side note, just a life hack you know, for you if you, you end up talking to any angels in your lifetime. Um, so the angel tells him, don't be afraid. And here's what he says. I'm, I'm going to read it in verse 13. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Don't be afraid. Your prayer has been answered. Do you know that every prayer you pray, God hears and remembers? So if you've been praying for something for a long time, I mean a long time, years, 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 God remembers every single one of those prayers, and he hears. So whether the angel shows up or not, God is still here. Just a sidebar. So your prayer has been heard. He's probably actually praying for two things. The first is for a child. And that's pretty obvious because what he's about to say, everything is about the child. But the other thing that he talks about is the significance of this child. His name will be John. John in Hebrew is a, is a um, what do you call it, a contraction? Two different words. Yah is a short form, short form of Yahweh, God's name. Then Hanan means gracious. He's Yahweh's gracious. That's what your son's name is going to be. Verse 14. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. Wouldn't you like an angel? I would love for an angel to come and tell me that about my kids. <laughs> you kind of don't know, right? Uh, that would be comforting to know. Uh, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. I would... Uh, I think I'm going to add this to my prayer list. That would be great. If, if this is a great prayer for my kids. Especially for my, for my poor wife. Uh, okay, verse 16. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the, to the Lord their God, and he will go before them in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So what what um, the angel is saying is that what God said 400 years ago in the prophecy of Malachi, there's been a 400-year silence where people have not heard from the Lord. There's been no prophet. There's been no word. There's been no miracle that people know of. What the angel is saying is, you wanted a son, and you're getting way more than you bargained for, my friend. God has been at work doing something this entire time. The Lord has been waiting. He's been anticipating this day. He was waiting for just the right time. And now, the silence is being broken, and it's going to be broken. 
through your son. Verse 18, And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife has advanced in years. Now, that, this response, um, in my mind at least, this is where I'm getting this idea that he's been waiting a long time. Because when you've been waiting for something for a long time, to the point where you're like, this is impossible, this isn't going to happen, when you start to bury that hope down in your heart and say, it's too painful for me to bring it out, then you say things like this. You say, how, how, how am I going to know this? How can, I, how can I be sure? I'm not willing to let myself hope for this again. I, I want proof. I, I want more than just your word. That's reflective of a heart that is wounded from, well, it says in Proverbs, uh, a hope deferred makes the heart sick. It's a heart that's sick because hope has been deferred too long. So, Zechariah says, I'm not sure I can, I'm not sure I can go there. And the angel says, yeah, but I just came from the big guy's office. <laughs> Sorry, I think I'm popping every time I breathe loud. I just came from the big guy's office, and he told me to come here. Uh, I don't think God actually has an office. Well, he says, I came from the presence of, Lord, of the Lord, which means the God who made everything, like everything, who knows all the, all the quirks and how quantum mechanics works, how people are arguing over it today, and none of them really know what they're talking about, but they kind of do. They're sort of poking in at it, or the strings that vibrate, whatever it is. And whatever's really going on in the universe, He's the one who set all that up and knows how all of it works. And he told me this is going to happen. He told me to come tell you. And he's kind of saying, listen, buddy, you have no idea where I've been, <laughs> what I had to do to get here for you. And so he says, verse 20, And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. So, Zechariah is going to be quiet. I mean, imagine, imagine you got this great news. Uh, I mean, this would be great news, even if, it, even if it wasn't the whole, yeah, your, your kid is going to be the one who ushers in the Messiah. It was just like, your kid is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and, and, and all this. That would be wonderful. I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to go tell somebody. And he's like, nope, gagging order. You're not going to tell anybody about this. But everyone's going to wonder. And stir it up. And that's what's going on outside. He's in there. They're like, man, it's taking too long. All you got to do is go in there and shake, 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 and then you're out. It's taking so long. So he comes out and he can't speak, and people are going, whoa, whoa. Something's going on. Could this be it? You know, because everybody else is anticipating this too. I mean, not, not Zechariah's child being born, but they're anticipating the Lord coming. This has been prophesied for a long time. And they've been, you know, there's so many prophecies that uh, Cameron was supposed to get into this week and I was supposed to do this message last week so I would be able to you know, follow on. So I don't, I don't want to steal too much of his thunder or, or preach the wrong sermon or whatever. But there's a lot of anticipation. A lot of anticipation. Messiah is going to come. He's going to rule from Zion. He's going to rule from the hill of Jerusalem. This is actually happening. So there's a lot of stirring, it says, in the end. And, and Elizabeth uh, says, man... God's got me. God's with me. All right, finally, I get to go brag to my friends about my kids. Typical mom, right? And dad. I like to brag on my kids, too. 
Anyhow, so th- there are some things uh, from the passage uh, that I wanted to point out. So we've got plenty of time. Just a few maybe application things to think about, to meditate on. One is notice that God has his own time with things. I've said this before, that to our minds, our hearts, our, from our perspective, the work of God is always slow and invisible. Slow and invisible. It's like the work of, you know, a, a, a plant working through the, the, um, through the cement, you know. It takes a long time for that seed to drop in the crack and then finally make its way out. Or for the, for the concrete to, uh, to start being busted up by the roots of a tree. It's like, it's not even, not even a millimeter a day. It's very, very slow. Now, of course, God breaks in and he does, boom, amazing things sometimes too. Sometimes it's lightning quick. But it seems to me like the majority of the time it's slow. I mean, even what we have here, what you have here in the Bible, you have 1,500 years packed in here. Um, that's not, that's a long time for this much information. So, the work of God is slow. When you go to, my wife has been making these pumpkin breads, which are amazing, by the way. And they're only $9.95, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, she makes these amazing pumpkin breads. And what happens is if, she, if you mix all the ingredients in there and you put it in the bowl and you leave it, it is not pumpkin bread. It has to go in the oven for a certain amount of time. Actually, time itself is one of the ingredients that makes it what it is. It will not be, it will never be pumpkin bread unless it gets that time. And such is our life. Yeah, do you have a question? I would love to hear. Yes, it's in the hearts of the fathers of the children and the disobedient ones the wisdom of the just. Yeah. So what is the wisdom of the just? Mm. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a really great question. I feel like that will take us far afield from where we are, from where this passage is right now, but I would love to talk to you about that afterwards. Maybe we could even do a podcast or teaching on it. Uh, no, no, the subject of this passage is, is actually this couple. So, uh, so we're going to stick with that, but thank you so much for your question. I'd love to, I'd love to get into that more with you. Um, so... They're waiting. Time is, God has a timing about it. There's a reason why Jesus didn't come 200 years earlier or 400 years earlier. And there's a reason why Jesus hasn't come a second time by now. God has his own reasons and he has his own time. So that's the first point. The second one is that I, I, I opened up saying, what are you waiting for? Or what are you done waiting for? What have you, have, what have you given up waiting for? Um... It's okay to have these dreams, these desires, these things that we wait for, that we hope for. But very often that hope can sort of lock us into a more narrow vision of what God is doing. He's always doing so much more than just fulfilling those little desires. He's actually working something out inside of us that only can be done by Him taking His own time, by doing His own work. He's doing something big, much bigger than we realize. And then the third thing, which I wrote down here, (laughs) is that so much of our life actually is not in our control. We we 
think that we can control things because we live in a time where we've invented technology and we have things that allow us to have a degree of control over our lives, but we really struggle to not manage the outcome of our life. We think that if, if you just go to the right school, get the right job, marry the right person, live in the right zip code, like, then you'll be happy. Whatever it is, so much of it is out of our control. Elizabeth and Zechariah could not control their fertility. They couldn't control whether or not they would have a child. And the whole people of Israel could not control when their Messiah would come. They had to wait and let God be the one to bring them what they needed at the right time. You know, the, the song, Santa Claus is coming to town. It isn't Santa Claus is waiting in the North Pole for you to go up and get your toys. God is not Santa Claus, but Jesus did come to town. Jesus came, and he's coming again. I want to speak right now just to, to anyone who's like really struggling, even if you're watching online or hearing my voice at some point. If you're really struggling to hang on, if you're, if you're in that zone, in that zone where you're like, it's been too long, and I don't know if I can keep hanging on. Can you still trust the Lord? Yes, you can. You can still trust Him. Now, I don't know what it is. I mean, maybe you're banking on a promise He never made to you. But is the Lord trustworthy? Well, He came, and He was born in a manger, just like you and I, and He pooped in diapers, just like you and I, and He had acne, like you and I. But unlike you and I, He lived a perfect life we could not have lived. And He died a horrifying death so that we could live with him forever. He died that death so that we could be connected to him. You know how your life is gonna live forever? Because it's connected to a God who lives forever. And that could not have happened if God had not come and suffered as a human being just like us. A God who is willing to do that, a God who says, I will enter suffering. I won't remain aloof. I won't be like, that sucks for you, sorry. But I'm not going to suffer any of that. A God who's actually willing to come and be alongside you and suffer with you. And will say, I will do everything that it takes to bring you to my side because that's how much I love you. I'm not doing it just because this is my job as God. I'm doing it because my heart goes out to you. God says in the Old Testament, he says to the, to the Jews, he says, I set my heart on you in love. It's because God has set his heart on us that he did this. So a God who has his heart set on you is a God worth trusting, even when your hope has been deferred too long. We know that because of the cross. So wherever you are, I mean, maybe you're, maybe you're in a, a season where things are great and you have your, your dreams are being fulfilled currently or whatever. I, don't, I have no idea where you are. Either way, it's always a come to Jesus moment. It's always a come to Jesus time. Look to the cross again and say, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I want to praise you. I want to live for you. I want to turn to the wisdom of the just, as our friend mentioned here. We can figure that out. Now we can spend some time figuring it out. Um, come to the Lord Jesus right now and learn from him. Okay, that's all I'm going to do in terms of sharing. And so for the next, I don't know, 
10, 15 minutes. I'll get back up here. I encourage you guys to get, get close with two, three, four, five people around you and, uh, and pray.